It's the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast, episode 31. You've been listening to this podcast for a few episodes. You've taken note of the format, which is different. We don't do traditional interviews, as you know, but instead we do problem-solving sessions, inviting some of the brightest minds in the world to tackle emerging issues in task management. But what is it like to host this series? Have I learned anything from being the host? What can I share after 32 episodes and a full season? Because we're moving on to season two as of the next episode. In this solo episode, I'll be sharing my experience and what you can take away from the lineup of guests I've had on the show since early 2022. I'm Francis Wade, and welcome to the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. And welcome back. So if this is your first time joining the show, I'm going to do a little bit of explanation. And if you've, you're an ardent listener, I'm going to ask you to bear with us for just a moment. But you may discover a few things as I go through kind of what I've learned, a summary of what we've picked up from the prior shows. Uh, so if you're new, as you probably know, the podcast is pretty different. As I already said, it doesn't follow the formula of a prior podcast. And this podcast, this episode is actually different from the prior episodes. So let me tell you a little bit about the prior episodes before going into this one. So we don't do interviews. And um, some episodes are solo episodes like this one. But most of our episodes have been involving other people. But we don't bring them on and ask them, what did you say in your book? You know, how did you grow up? Were you in a big family? And that kind of thing. No. We actually pick a problem. And our intent is a bit strange. I'd say it's to uncover some insights that are brand new during the show, kind of in real time. And when we do uncover these insights, we actually have a bell. The bell ring the bell when we think we've come up with something that we didn't have before the conversation started. So the whole idea is to come up with something brand new, something that we've never thought of before and never said before because. The two of us are having this conversation. So each episode begins with a sort of a statement of the problem. Then I tell a story, a realistic story, which describes a protagonist, a person, a man or woman, who's dealing with the problem that we are about to discuss and what it's like to be in their shoes just a little bit as they navigate their world and eventually come to some kind of impasse because there are no easy solutions uh, available. And by the way, we only pick the problems that don't have easy solutions here on the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. Give us something to actually do, right? Some work to do. So after the story, I introduce the guest and we do a deep dive into the nature of the issue. So this is where it's very, very different. What we try to do is to stay in diagnostic mode, which means that we're not looking for solutions right off the bat. Certainly not solutions that we already came in with. As I mentioned, we're trying to find a new insight. And the only way you can get a new insight is to stay in problem definition mode long enough that something brand new occurs to you. So each of our episodes, spent, we spend maybe 20 to 40 minutes 
particularly when I have another guest, I have a guest on, and we spend time digging into the problem, you know, what, what happens if you can't solve it, what are the, the costs of it, why are, isn't there an easy solution, why does it perpetuate, why doesn't someone finally figure it out, um, what, what's, what, what's the impact it has on our lives individually and the lives of other people, because we can't solve it. So we get very, very detailed about it. It's, you know, it's the nature of difficult, complex problems that if they really do live up to their billing, then they don't lend themselves to just you know, aphorisms or memes or prearranged or predetermined thinking. Einstein said, and I always quote Einstein nowadays, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. So the one causes the other. In other words, the 55 minutes of problem solving allows someone like an Einstein and hopefully us as well to only spend five minutes thinking and talking about the solutions because the quality of the diagnosis allows us to open up solutions that didn't exist before and also to see past the easy answers that you know, might be out there in the conventional wisdom. Okay. So, having said that, this episode does not follow that, <laughs> that method. Instead, I'm going to be just telling you about the, some solutions, answers, recommendations, discoveries that have been made based on all of the 32 episodes that we've done, the deep dives that, that we've done com uh, cumulatively. So where have I arrived after all of that? And this new format, this new way of thinking, um, and this approach to task management and, and time blocking discussions, productivity discussions. Okay, so one is that, so everyone agrees that one size does not fit all in the realm of task management and time blocking. But I found that there are very few who ask, now what? Instead, most of us are heavily, I would say, influenced or infected by one-size-fits-all thinking. And we've come to where we are because we either followed someone who told us what to do, or we followed our own advice and we figured out what to do. In either case, it's not very different. We have arrived at what we think we should do, and we're now about rinse and repeat. Very few of the folks I, um, I could have interviewed who I didn't interview, the ones who came on are the ones who are willing to ask, now what? But they're a small number. There's a lot of people I approached who don't think this way at all. You know, they want to sell a book or a training or uh, they have their own podcast, their own line of thinking. And for them, the li their line of thinking is the answer. And that's it. Very few go past that to say, okay, if one size fits all, really doesn't fit all. And if it's a profound difference from trying to follow a one size fits all solution, then what does it imply and what does it demand of us as people who are trying to be productive? So that question does not get asked. Okay, that's one thing I discovered that was a bit of a surprise. And it really came because when you ask questions below what, 
people say because it's a bit of a meme. It's an aphorism, you know, kind of. Oh, yeah, everybody knows that one set doesn't fit all. You got to tinker and, you know, have it fit what you want to do. Everybody says that. But very few ask, okay, if that's true, now what? What does that imply? Okay. So that's the first thing I discovered. We're, we're in very, very rare territory. So some other things I, dis I discovered is that when you start to ask the question, now what, you realize that the old way of approaching task management around following one prescription is, I mentioned that it's, it's pervasive and it's almost like it's infected all of us. But what it's based on is quality followership. So being a good follower. So if someone offers you uh, a method, you could spend decades, and I've met people who spent decades trying to follow what is written or has been prescribed to them in a book, videotape, whatever, whatever it may be encapsulated in. And that it's really about being a good disciple, someone who follows the instructions, because at some point, person who put together the thinking says don't do this and don't do that or else you have no right to expect good results in other words they're warning you not to stray from their teaching so the idea is that you become a good disciple you follow the instructions you enforce them whenever you can if it's all over social media people who enforce different schools of thought or different one-size-fits-all solutions and you defend the dogma. You know, at some point, it becomes more than just uh, a useful tool or an approach. At some point, for many, it becomes part of their identity because it, it provided good things for them and they now are prepared to tell everybody the good news because they want them to experience the good things as well. So this is not... I'm not saying that they do this because it's bad or wrong. It's, they do it because... They believe that it worked for them, and it did. You know, that the, one of the things I discovered is that people stick with their one-size-fits-all solutions because it gives them a big jump from not having a clue to seeing productivity improvements and productivity gains. You know, they actually saw results. It's not that it didn't work. It did work. It's just that there's more to this game than having a one-size-fits-all solution that works for a while. Okay. Um, the other thing I discovered, about, you know, once you start asking, know what, is that you become open to all different kinds of ideas, solutions, tools, techniques, practices. But now you need really good diagnostic skills to be able to sort through them. So you don't want to have to go through and test them one by one. And there are folks who have tested many, many, many um, approaches one by one. My colleague, Melanie Wilson, Dr. Melanie Wilson, has appeared twice on the podcast. And she wrote a book on how to, basically she went through one, one new technique each week for a year and tried it and tested it. So that's one way to do it. 
you know, and, and I'm glad that she did because she she's able to, at the end of it, draw some amazing conclusions around what works and does not work. But most people don't have the time or the inclination or the space to do that. So you need these advanced diagnostic skills to be able to sort through all of the sort of the tsunami of recommendations that are coming your way in the task management and time blocking work. Okay. And you know, but what do you diagnose? I also discovered that once you decide that the know what is important, you've got to make some decisions around where you get your sources from. So I see people on Reddit all the time, you know, trying to do diagnosis. They, they don't use that word as much, but they describe a problem and they say, help. And people jump in with their one-size-fits-all solutions for the most part. But the answers that they give don't help the person asking the question to become a better diagnostician. And really, that's what we want. That's what we, 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 the best way to empower people is not to tell them an answer that may be helpful in the short term or not to give them 10 things to try that may be helpful in the midterm. But in the long term is to have them become an awesome evaluator of different approaches and at the same time there's not a lot of help with regards to how to do that the truth is that the world beyond one size fits all thinking is in its infancy it really is the road less traveled this is a bit like you know inventing your own way of approaching task management and time blocking so during the series, you probably may heard us made many references to the fact that we are self-taught in this area. And as a result, everyone has their own way of managing their tasks. And if they do time blocking, their own variation on the theme. And you can't take what someone else is doing and just kind of copy them. No, that is the promise of the one-size-fits-all thinkers, books, and so forth. But... You know, even they concede that you can't copy everything. But interesting, none of the books I've read or the approaches that I've come across that promote a one-size-fits-all solution, a generic solution, tell you, know what? That if you're going to customize this approach that we're giving you, they don't begin to tell you how to do it. They just tell you, just, just do it. They don't tell you, okay, this part's essential, don't mess with it. You know, it's a bit like a car, right? If you're going to customize a car, they would say, okay, this part's essential, don't mess with that part unless you're highly skilled. Sure, you can repaint it. You can get somebody to put on some fenders. You can change, you know, you could change the, the cosmetics, change the seats. But here are the parts that you don't touch unless you're, you really know what you're doing. And the one-size-fits-all proponents don't give any actual advice that I've seen with respect to how to customize their recommendations and make them their own. They really are in the world. That's why I say the world of one size fits all may make a few concessions like that, but it's fundamentally based on the idea that followership and being a good disciple is kind of like the key behavior not being an awesome diagnostician. 
that's an entirely different world to live in. And that's maybe the biggest discovery I've made. That being in that world and staying in it is rare. The road less traveled and it's not supported by very many people who say they're experts in this area. They'll say things that sound like it, but they don't say that you've got to relocate your mind, have a brand new mindset, and that you need to give up the followership mindset to be an awesome diagnostician on your own. That, that's a different mindset than that's required. So let's assume that you do buy into this idea that I need this different mindset. So here's some of the challenges that I picked up on that have not been resolved even. How do you track your errors? How do you figure out your mistakes? How do you measure them? Most people's task management just doesn't have the kind of feedback, real time or after the fact. Now they may think about it, but they don't have a dashboard that's saying, here's the number of tasks that you're managing and here are the problems that you're now experiencing given the setup of your ecosystem. There are lots of reasons for this. We're using many tools. We're also using our mind, which nobody knows yet how to plug in and manage a task, the number of tasks that you're managing in your mind. So we don't know what good error tracking looks like. Well, this is important. Why? If you're a good diagnostician, errors are your friend. They tell you where to start and how to approach improvement efforts. Again, if you're driving a car and you know the car doesn't start one day, you know, you it's that's pretty obvious. You have a problem, you have an error. There are car computers now that you can plug into, and as far as I know, they tell you they, they can tell you what kind of errors and, and mishaps the car has been uh, producing because it's now built into the car that the, the computer's tracking them. We don't have that much luck. So we have to use anecdotes, even though we may be very committed to having that mindset of being a diagnostician. All we have to fuel it are, are anecdotes. And I wish there were a book I could point you to that says, okay, here's how you manage your errors in terms of logging them, just capturing them. And here's how you diagnose them. Doesn't happen so far. Doesn't exist so far. As such, we don't really know in detail what progress looks like in task management. So in the diagnostician world, I've advocated creating your own path and then following the steps as you follow your own plan. And that that's what progress looks like. However, that approach is pretty daunting. It's, it's a subject of my book, Perfect Time is Productivity, but it's not an easy path to follow. Because it's not easy to put together a, a multi-step plan. We just don't have the experience of doing it. No, I've met and I've taught people how to do it. I've seen them have success doing it. But have I tracked 50 of them over the last three years? No. So the data doesn't exist to follow what the diagnosticians are doing and how well they're doing it. So we don't really know what path they take. So we can intuit that if you if you are making progress and reducing errors, then by producing errors, then we we could say that that you're growing. But if you're not measuring the errors, then we're back to kind of just a feeling. And that's just not good enough.
we need far better tools and a far better uh, method for approaching our improvement. So to wrap up, I, I, I'm hoping that there are leaders in the diagnostic world, that, that more leaders will emerge and that there'll be a clearer distinction between it and the one size fits all world. And in case you're, if you might be wondering, is, is, is are things like getting things done and Pomodoro and the Covey approach, and are they in that one size fits all? The answer is yes. They're, they, they are the foundation, some of the foundation methods for that world, even though, you know, they do say, oh yeah, no, no, don't worry, you can make some changes. But as I said, that's not the same as being in the world of a diagnostician. And I'm still looking for people to bring on the podcast to interview, or not interview, to problem solve, because we don't do interviews. <laughs> I'm still looking for them to invite them to the task management and time blocking conference. I'm still hoping to pick up books that, that are in the world of a productivity diagnostician that enhance that skill that are based on that premise. And if you are someone who is that, or you know someone who is, let me know. I'd love to bring them on the show. And if you're also sort of wondering why I haven't tackled certain problems or challenges in task management and time blocking, send me a note. I'm looking to, to add to my list, and I'll, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go look for experts in very unconventional areas that they might not even be thinking about task management, but there could be analogous solutions being developed that we could bring into this world of task management and time blocking with respect to being a great diagnostician. So if you know of any interesting problems that need to be solved and they are and that are perhaps being solved in other fields, let me know. That line of thinking is extremely valuable to the work that we're doing here on this podcast and to our mission. So I'd love to hear from you and know that our readers or listenership rather has been growing steadily. And um, as far as I can tell from what I see out there in the podcast world, there's not another podcast like this one. So we are establishing a pretty decent space and I'd love to hear from you in, in either with an idea or just if you leave a comment. Uh, and feedback in Apple Podcasts, or if you contact me directly via our website, www.timeblockingsummit.info. So this is Francis Wade signing out, and I'm calling it game over, I guess, for, for season number one here at the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. See you in season two. If you want to leave a comment about this episode or any aspect of the work that we're doing here at the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast, you can go over to www.replytofrancis.info and send me either a message uh, by text or send me a voice message, a voice note. And as you probably know, we have a couple of places that you can interact with other people, talk about this episode. One is at the community mightytaskers.scheduleu.org and you'll see the link in the show notes. 
And the other, of course, is our upcoming task management and time blocking summit coming up in March. Two outstanding opportunities to interact with other people about the ideas that you've heard on this podcast or any of your episodes that are coming up. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing, I invite you to click on the Patreon link below to make a donation. And please don't forget to like our show and recommend it to others on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, or whatever past podcast app or service you're using. This is Francis Wade. I'm signing out. I hope to see you on a future episode. And until then, take care and all the best. See you later.